1: Hey guys, you ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what?
0: <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like,
1: who let the dogs out? Who? Who? Off the Hook, airing on Off the your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
3: Welcome to the program with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker and absolutely loaded up today. Plenty to talk about. We'll start from the top. Josh Heupel with an incredible contract extension that takes him from five to nine million dollars. Elite company. To say the least, also coming up, we'll have Ron Slay, our Wednesday guest. Looking forward to that as he's headed off to Auburn to continue to be an ESPN superstar. I call him the next Jay Billis. And also, we'll talk some Todd Helton as he got snubbed from the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. So we're loaded up. I want you to hit the like button right now so we can bring more people on board. And just early and often, let's get your response. Good morning, Smoky Mountain Red. Your thoughts on Josh Heupel's contract extension, I'll share mine as well. And as Caleb wrote on OffTheHookSports.com, which you can check that column out, Caleb just puts him in pretty elite territory. And I thought just an incredibly aggressive but apt move by Tennessee Athletic Director Danny White. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, my, one of my favorite songs out right now was a Taylor Swift song called Bejeweled, and I feel like Josh Heupel is bejeweled right now.
3: <laughs> you a little older, he's got diamonds on the soles of his shoes, a Paul Simon reference. He's not going to be hurting for cash anytime soon.
2: Yeah, maybe he can bring back the orange pants for some traumatic moments for everybody. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> this was a move. Guys, Josh Heupel is the fifth highest paid coach in the SEC right now. Let me just name the other four real quick. Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly. What do they all have in common? They've all played for a national championship. Three of them, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Jimbo Fisher, have won a national championship. Now, you can think what you want about Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M right now. But that contract was based on what he did when he was hired at Texas A&M because he's won a – at the time, he was a national championship winning coach. It made sense on paper. just hasn't worked out to this point. Josh Heupel's in that company now, and this is what I believe. And I've we've talked about this off-camera, off Dave. We've talked about it over the phone. Josh Heupel has an offense that – Tons of coaches are trying to figure out now. I talked about Fordham just a couple of years ago. Fordham at the FCS level during the pandemic sent coaches to UCF to study the offense because they want to install it. I think it's pretty clear at some point an NFL team is going to come calling to see if this offense will work in the pros. We know the NFL recently there's been all hiring cutting edge offensive minds has been all the rage. Everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay with the Rams. That's why Urban Meyer, Cliff Kingsbury. And Matt Rule all got jobs in the NFL. None of whom, outside of Urban Meyer, none of Matt Rule and Kingsbury were not didn't have the track record or the resume of success in college to warrant NFL jobs. But they got hired because people wanted to see if their offenses would work at that level. Josh Heupel could end up being the next one of those. Josh Heupel or Lincoln Riley, you pick, because they both kind of run a similar offense. Um, and this move, more than anything, was to keep NFL teams from calling because. I don't think they're worried about losing him to Oklahoma. I think you and I know that he's not going back as long as Bob Stoops is there and Josh Heupel wouldn't leave Tennessee for any other job other than Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, again, is not calling if Bob's Oklahoma is not a spot for him. If Bob Stoops is still there. So this is all about the NFL. The NFL is going to want to try Josh Heupel's offense. At some point, one team's going to want to do it. And Josh Heupel with this new contract would be tied for the fifth highest paid coach in the NFL.
3: Well, you saw Cliff Kingsbury um, get the job with the Cardinals, and that hasn't exactly worked out. I think he's got quarterback issues when you have to ride into a contract that a guy has to practice so much a week. I don't think that's a great sign, but his star was not rising at the really in the college level. And then an NFL team jumps on board because of the offense he runs. And uh, they're both innovative offenses, not exactly the same if you want to compare what Kingsbury does and what uh, Heupel does. I thought you brought up a really good point in in the NFL in that column, because I think it is the NFL that Tennessee fans should fear the most. And in addition to what you said, yes, it's the creative offense. it's, It's all of that. But it's also a mind that was able to adapt from what he ran at Oklahoma to what he's running now, which is significantly different from an offensive standpoint. So it's the adaptability, throw in, what you said about the offense, just if they packaged it up and sent it straight to Tampa Bay or wherever in the NFL, you got to think it's going to work for the short term, but if it doesn't, if their rule changes and the fact that there's different rules as far as offensive linemen releasing and being able to go downfield, he's going to adapt and make it work. I think he's shown that much. The other thing that maybe gets a little bit lost is he is running the Tennessee program a lot like a GM. Now, I think the days are gone where a a guy can demand to be the coach and the GM, Bill Parcells style. I don't think that's going to happen anymore, and I don't think he would necessarily want to do that. But if it came down to, uh, hey, Josh, the GM says, we've got to figure out do we want this guy or this guy, I think based off salary and productivity, he could give you a a good answer there. And, yeah, I think that's one of the things – that Nick Saban struggled with. In particular, uh, you know, I think if they get Drew Brees, they were unsure about the elbow, if you remember back then. But he didn't have complete confidence in the direction of the Dolphins. So I look at this, and it, it really drives home to me a question that was asked about I would say roughly about six or seven years ago, and I'm sure you heard this again, please hit the like button. And if you haven't subscribed already, we greatly appreciate like button brings us more people in for the discussion. The, the, the thing about Josh Heupel and potentially going to the NFL is I, he's young. I think he would be a perfect fit there, but Tennessee and the elite jobs in college, which I think there are about 15, 15 to 20. I think Tennessee's in the top 15 range. Those are destination jobs. So the question was five, six, seven years ago, Caleb, is Tennessee a destination job or is one coach like Lane Kiffin just going to continue to bounce? If Butch Jones had had success, would he have bounced elsewhere? And that was, that was the concern. And part of that is because Mm
0: coaches
3: would have their name floated out there in coaching searches at other schools. I'm going to tell you the exact same thing I told you six or seven years ago, and that is Tennessee is a destination job. It's not just because Johnny Majors played at Tennessee. It's not just because Philip Fulmer played at Tennessee. It's the type of school that a coach could set roots in and as long as he has success and everybody's happy be the coach for the next 15 or 20 years as long as he's having success that's the big caveat so I think that answers that question because I did a little bit of digging into Josh Heupel's contract so my question was what would he have to pay the university back if he decided to leave before December the 15th which is technically when the Contract is set and the extension is based off that date. So he has to spend a significant amount of money. We're talking about $6 million if he were to get out of that contract. $6 million. Now, could the Dallas Cowboys see Josh Heupel as the next great head coach and pony up $6 million? Certainly. It wouldn't even be a bump in the road. But a lot of NFL teams couldn't or wouldn't want to, Caleb. A lot of programs that are in that top 15, top 20 range wouldn't want to do that in college football. So my, the biggest number I take away, even more than a $4 million raise, is $6 million that he would have to pay the university if he took another job tomorrow. It drops to $4 million after December the 15th, so if he had a great season and another school came calling, Oklahoma or anybody, they have to pay $6 million, then $4 million. That's a significant amount of money. It doesn't stop a deal from getting done. But to give a little bit of perspective, you had Lane Kiffin, who had zero leverage, said he had the Washington job. I, I'm not sure about that. Kind of played Mike Hamilton, got Philip Wilmer fired in the middle of the year his buyout was 800,000. Well, Southern California didn't even blink at 800,000. That's like Caleb, me telling you that, hey, I'm going to give you this great job, but I've got to pay $20 to get Caleb. I mean, that's that 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 is not even a, an amount of money that's at all registers. So they paid that. But 6 or 4 million is a different world, Caleb, and I think it sends a very clear statement that Josh Heupel realizes what he has. He's happy. He wants to stay. And he wants to enjoy the fruits of his labor. That was actually a bigger number to me than the five to nine million dollars, which is a very significant number as well.
2: Yeah. So, six million to me would have not been a big deal four years ago. And the reason I, or even two years ago. And actually, the reason I say that at a school like Tennessee, I've said for years, and you know this, Dave, after Mike Hamilton and the Lane Kiffin fiasco, where you're right, Mike Hamilton got play, he opened up the checkbook for a coach that his whole. I, whatever you guys think of Link, Kiven, he didn't have the resume to have the checkbook opened up for him and his staff that he got by Mike Hamilton at the time.
3: Um, the I still, the Raiders thing
2: ended horribly. Horrible. Yeah, horribly. I, I still said that I said at that time they should have hired Brian Kelly. And man, I mean, I did not know how right I was. I was wrong about my, I was wrong about my rightness. <laughs> and so, because um, um, I didn't think Brian, I, I think Brian Kelly was a great coach. But um, as far as the six million goes. Four years ago, I think a school like Tennessee with the boosters they have could open up that checkbook. You know, we've seen with Alabama and Texas A&M, you open up the checkbook to get the coach you want. What I would say, though, is nowadays with NIL, and this is going to be a real story, Dave, in the future, I think. You know this. A lot of times when buyouts are paid and salaries are paid, that's boosters opening up checkbooks to pay to help corral. They're going to spend a lot more of that money now on trying to buy players. Than they will buy coaches.
3: That's a good point. So,
2: are you willing to open up the checkbook of six million dollars to get to pay a coach's buyout when that money could be spent if you're USC friends and Heiple's not going to leave Tennessee for USC? I'm just saying. If you are USC, wouldn't you rather spend that money buying all the top athletes in California to keep them at USC?
3: Yeah, and no, I I I, I completely. Yeah, I, I I see that angle now. I didn't at the time. The money's gotten so sidetracked, and it's going to get even more warped with the money that uh, the SEC is going to get out of their next television contract. But I, I maybe six million at some point looks like eight hundred thousand, but it looks like a lot more than me. Smoky Mountain Red said, "Just curious, uh, does Josh Allen seem like an uh, does Josh excuse me seem like an NFL coach to you?" I really think he does. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think he could do either. I don't think there's a big difference nowadays. You know, back in the 90s when I started all this stuff, coaches w- aspired to get to the NFL because they didn't want to recruit. And they do now because they don't like the NIL and they don't like the transfer portal and all that. And I, I get that. But uh, coaches don't aspire to the NFL like they used to. Um as a whole i mean I, I think that the nfl in the 90s and early 2000s caleb was viewed as a better job i don't know that it's viewed as a better job i think it's just viewed now as a different job
2: yeah i 100 percent agree which is funny because i think coaches had more market value in the 90s in college than they do now i still think college coaches have pretty good market value and are still more valuable than nfl coaches but you know you're right the how often do we see coaches at odds with GMs owners? There's so much more politicking with the upper management now than there used to be that. I don't think coaches want to be a part of with the NFL. Um, look, let, I, let's just say it. This is why you've talked about this. The reason Saban, cause we brought him up. The reason Saban went to Miami was one. Miami was the one NFL job. He would have taken because he loves being in Miami, but two, he hated living in Baton Rouge. <laughs> we know those two things to be true. We also know, I know Miami felt so wronged by him leaving, particularly Don Shula. But let's not forget, Saban was the one who wanted Drew Brees. The team doctors in the Miami organization stonewalled him from getting Drew Brees. And that's their fault that he's still not at Miami right now. Because, I mean, think about Sabin with Drew Brees. he probably hired the right offensive coordinator and, you know, things would take off. That is fully on Miami. That's fully on the Dolphins organization. And there's really... You know, the head, head coaches in the NFL is such a revolving door. Um, there are jobs now, I think, if you're a coach. The Houston Texans job. I would never take that job. I don't care if I was a running backs coach at a group of five school. You could not get me to take the Houston Texans job if I'm aspiring to be a head coach and climb the ladder. Now, if, you're, now if I want a quick payday, sure, it's an NFL job. But, I, you know, the, there are some NFL jobs that the organizations are so bad, so awful, so embarrassing that I, if you're trying to climb the coaching ladder, there's no way you take that job because all it'll do is ruin your reputation.
3: I will say this to Smoky Mountain Red's point. Um, if you compare the jobs, I do think that Josh Heupel instills a belief in young men that you're probably not going to be able to do from year to year in the NFL. I think they're probably a little bit more jaded. They don't want the raw, raw stuff. And I think he's a better fit in that regard for for college. But this is how much it's changed just in 20 years. Philip Fulmer used to float his name out there when he was the head coach at Tennessee as an offensive line coach in the NFL because he was considered the best at the time, the best offensive line coach in the nation, regardless of NFL or college. That's how different the jobs. were were perceived at the time. He would float it as agent would. Jimmy Sexton would float his name out there for NFL jobs that were assistant coaching jobs as opposed to being the head coach at Tennessee. Nobody would ever make that move anymore. That's long gone. You wouldn't even make a move to be a coordinator. If if the New England Patriots came to Lincoln Riley or Josh Heupel or whoever and bill belichick said yeah i just you know the offense was a complete disaster i want to hand it over to you 100 percent written in stone here's a contract it's your offense no head coach and the power five 75 percent of the power five schools would take a step down to being a coordinator from a head coach that so wasn't always the case first part of the program brought to you by andymasonrealestate.com go to andymasonrealestate.com a realtor With over 40 years of experience, his team has that and they will save you thousands of dollars. Don't make that mistake by going with the wrong realtor. You can absolutely work with AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Best service, best prices in the biz. So hit that like button. It brings more people into the program. But I want to hear from the message board. Are you a little blown away by the number that you saw from five to nine million dollars? I've become... A little desensitized, quite frankly. Caleb, when I saw the five to nine million, I thought in the back, the first thought I had was nine is about where you should be. I'd probably say eight. Um, As you brought up, coaches have, have been in championship positions before that make that type of money. But I was not completely stunned by nine. What was the first thing that went through your head yesterday?
2: I'm not going to lie. I was stunned by nine. Um, And I was stunned because like I said, I saw the other coaches that are getting the 9 million and all of them have a resume right now. That's better than Heupel. Now you ask me now to be fair on this. If you ask me right now, would I hire Josh Heupel or Jimbo Fisher? I'm hiring Josh Heupel and I'm not thinking twice about it, but Jimbo Fisher's salary is if you ask me, would I hire Josh Heupel right now? Or Jimbo Fisher, what I knew about him in 2018, I'd have probably taken Jimbo Fisher. And, and so that's where I'm kind of a little shocked about this because he's in some really elite company now. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I think, I think you and I both agree. Josh Eibel, Tennessee's here to stay largely because no one's figuring out this offense anytime soon which is funny because it's such a simple, easy offense to figure out if you play on offense, but it's no defense is going to figure out this offense anytime soon. So Tennessee's here to stay. They're going to be a fun team to watch. And they're going to start luring even more elite offensive players to the program. And they're about to have uh, the greatest quarterback for the Josh Heupel system that he could ever find coming into the program. So I, I get the money. I still was shocked. Um, and I was just asked if I if, if I think Mark Stoops has a better resume. I think Josh Heupel is ahead of Mark Stoops now. I, I Sam Hargrove said that on YouTube. I think Josh Heupel's paid more than Mark Stoops, isn't he, Dave?
3: Uh, yes, yeah. I would I would think so. Um, I can I can look that up, but I would say he surpassed him at this point.
2: Yeah, and let's not. And Mark Stoops, honestly winning 10 games at Kentucky. That's the most impressive thing any coach has done in the SEC over
3: the last well, he's, he's at 8.6, which which makes a lot of sense. Maybe that was the benchmark number they wanted to get over. Possibly. But, okay, put him ahead of Mark Stoops. That yeah, that kind of makes sense. And you could have said 8.75, but 9 has a nice a nice ring to it. So am I saying that Mark Stoops has a better resume um, no, I don't I don't I don't think he does. I think winning ten games at Kentucky is pretty impressive. Smoky Mountain Red said, "I felt eight million as well. I thought he would need an SEC championship at the least to get to nine million. But for now, I trust Danny White. I mean, but let's be real honest. When We start talking about some of the TV numbers. We're we're almost talking monopoly money, aren't we? I, I mean, think
2: that's. I agree. The more I, I was surprised at first, but I get it because I'm with you. I looked at some of the new deals um, that are about to come, and you're right, $9 million. This is like, that's going to be chump change in a couple of years, and Hypo will be worth a lot more. They're going to have to renegotiate Hypo's contract in two or three years again, honestly. Um, this reminds me of when Scottie Pippen signed that seven-year deal with the Bulls. Dave, you know what I'm talking about? In 1991.
3: And then complained about being underpaid for years.
2: Yeah, and when Jerry Reinstorf was like, the NBA is about to go global in 1992. We're about to triple in value. Don't sign this deal. Don't sign this deal. And Scotty still signed the deal and then thought he was underpaid the rest of his time. And it's like, yeah, but you took a seven year deal worth like he was he was worth it was making like 2.5 million and he would have been worth like 10 million more if he just waited two years.
3: <laughs> no, yeah. I don't I don't think of Scottie Pippen as the best uh, negotiator. Um he did a lot of things great, and I loved watching him play, but I don't know that he helped himself uh, in that regard at all. Zool Beer is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. Go to Zoolbeer.com, X-U-L It's downtown Knoxville, worldwide award-winning craft beer, and it is fantastic. So coming up, we will visit with the one, the only, the superstar, ESPN's own Ron Slay. 104.5, The Zone's Ron Slay. And a former Vol is pretty darn good So we're looking forward to that Hang with me for two minutes And I want to remind you uh, About our friends at uh, Zool Beer Company Once again They have parking downtown Who does that? Back in two minutes Ron Slay up next
4: Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986 Each piece unique With a story all its own I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs I'm a jeweler and I wanna be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us, Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
1: Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher, and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today.
5: Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a
1: row, you voted us best of the best, criminal and DUI law firm. And finals for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to the Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
4: Got cataracts?
1: We can fix that.
4: Never miss another moment. With a little help from doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTI's
3: To Portions of the program brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Bassey Lawn and Garden has the industrial mowers, the commercial mowers, the residential mowers that are there for you in Cleveland, Tennessee, whether you're in Knoxville, Chattanooga, or Nashville. You owe it to yourself and your budget to check out Bassy Lawn and Garden. Go to bassy.com Ron Slay now joins us. He's en route for his ESPN Gig That is just growing by the day. I say watch out Jay Billis, but he's headed to Auburn and he's he's going to be on the TV tonight and he's just fantastic at it. His appearance brought to you by Zach England, a best of Brock. Zach's got your back. Personal injury attorney in Chattanooga like no other can stand toe to toe with the insurance company lawyers and win. Ron, good morning. How are you, sir?
0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing?
3: Good, you're working too much, man.
0: Hey, man, you got to grind, baby. I, I remember when I couldn't I couldn't get on the air, I couldn't do nothing. So I got to take advantage of this. You never know when it'll stop. Hey.
3: <laughs> there you go. Hey, let me ask you a quick off-the-wall question. Because my Dallas Cowboys have Brett Maher, who can't hit a field, uh, an extra point, or a field goal for that matter, and cost them a shot at the <laughs> NFC. Now, the only comparison I could make would be at the free throw line. Did you ever have the yips, which he obviously had. Did you ever have the yips at the free free throw line?
0: No. I'm fortunate to never have to go through any of that, man. Like, I I had my routine down. I'm trying to think if I had something close to it, man. I, I think I may have went through a stretch for about three games in my pro career, where I couldn't, um, I just wasn't shooting the ball from three well. Like people start leaving me open and things of that nature, and I, I, I made them pay. Um, I made them pay dear. Um, once I got my rhythm, I think I got it. Like in the fourth game, I had like eight or seven threes or something like that. So all that went away. But man, I nah, I'm so fortunate. I ain't have to never deal with that, man. That's crazy.
3: Yeah, that sounds awful. I, I, I want to roll it around to hoops, but one more. This is a hoops question, but I'm, we'll get to the men here in just a second. But you have the UConn-Tennessee rivalry that's back and the Lady balls, and I think it's so important for the sport. That being said, um, still to this day, with the legacy that Pat Summit left, how much pressure continues to be on whoever is in that position, which happens to be Kelly Harper now?
0: Man, huge shoes appeal. You choose the field. Um, I, I, I think it's unimaginable. You know what I'm saying to to have to walk into that office, you know, day in and day out, and not feel that some somehow you gotta be able to produce to what Coach Summer was able to produce. You know what I'm saying? Even with feel like man, don't be yourself. Even Pat Summerlin would tell him, just be yourself. It work out. I mean. And that shadow is cast so so big, man, and it's like, what what are you supposed to, what are you supposed to do? What is enough? Like, is one championship bringing you back to the the creme de la creme of the women's game? Is that enough? No, <laughs> honestly, you know what I'm saying. They're gonna compare it, and that's the problem. Like, you don't have anything else to compare it to. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything else is looked at as a, a fair. And that's, 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 uh, ladies back to playing together, um, and all oh, striding into so it's a one goal man. So I'm, I'm proud of the lady balls getting. Them. Um, I think Holly, to me, Holly did a great job. I love Holly. I'm biased, also, you know, she was there when I was there, and I watched watched her coaching, and I, I know what she brings to the game. I just think, man. Is for her to walk in those shoes right after Coach summer Who I don't know if anybody else could have done that either outside of Holly. So I think I always give her credit for that, just having the the bold um, gumption, if you will, to walk into those shoes and accept accept them while I'm having that job and going in and out day, day, out, day in and day out. Ron, um, I was going to uh, transition to men's basketball, but yeah,
2: I want to talk a little bit more about the women's game too because there's just a lot there because they don't just play UConn. They play LSU and LSU. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm with you um, with Holly. I, I understood why I understood why she was let go when Kelly Harper came. Do you think that there was... Do you think the pressure was added because do you think there was maybe... You don't want to say... Do you think there was maybe a step back that the program took, unfortunately, because Pat Summit not was unknowingly coaching with her illness the last couple of years.
5: Uh And Uh
2: no, it's no one's fault. It's not her fault. But do you think that kind of – do you think that put the program on a little unstable ground when Holly had to take over?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, Because you would realistically like to have a baton handoff, you know what I'm saying, in that situation. And in this case, the baton was in a sense dropped and it just had to be scooped with nobody watching And you take off and run with it. And I I think that's why I give Holly the credit for it. I don't think, I don't understand um, a way that it could have been an easy transition outside of her um, actually going and handpicking somebody and walking them through for two or three years of how to get this job done. You know what I'm saying? The way to run it to keep this machine rolling on the track. So, um, with it abruptly coming to an end, I thought that was that was difficult to handle. And, um, I think one thing that gets overshadowed is also, and, um, and not to make excuses at all, but what was Holly th- actually dealing with? Like she was, that was a running mate, you know what I'm saying? Huh? Mickey DeMoss. she like, those are running mates. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think anyone ever took a step back and was thinking like, man, how was Holly handling this? Cause she didn't really have time to grieve. She had to pick up, roll, let's go. You know what I'm saying? So I think all that comes into play, but man, I'm, um, this game, man, this, this game is going to be huge. And I think the fans um, should get behind this team even more so, man, because it won't be long. You know what I'm saying? It won't be long. It's just it's in the DNA. It's in the fabric of the Lady balls to be great. And once it gets back rolling, like, I don't need to see everybody coming back trying to be like, man, we were here in the dark times. And I'm no, if you ain't been there, don't come back. We all right. We'll pick up some some little kids and let them roll and raise them the right way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. It's going to be fun to watch, man. A big time game coming up Thursday. Game day will be in the building. Um, and I think, man, the play balls, they strike it up, get things rolling um, with this game. UConn dealing with a lot of things, a lot of injured players. for Big time um, player team, page, And um, what is the foot? She's also injured. So, you know, and then Gino, what he had to deal with personally. Trying to get back into the flow. But one thing about it, man, they never, never cared who struggled or who was doing what, what, what situation was happening. They took advantage of whatever team stood on the floor for the Lady Balls. And I'm speaking on behalf of all the Lady Balls. You step up with that UConn jersey on, you prepare to go to war. You're going to get dragged. You won't care about nothing you got going on. Once you get in between them lines, it's on. It's on. And then I think that leads over to the men's game in Texas. And then back doing that and wiping up the whole weekend with a big time matchup against Angel Reese and um, Coach Morgan and at LSU.
3: Ron, we had somebody ask or somebody say, Buckle up, Ron. Have you got your seatbelt on? Ooh. I knew he did. See, Ron Ron Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And Ron's tall too. Yeah. So you can sometimes cut of. I knew you did. Right. You're 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 a beloved ball. Yeah, man. man. I
0: like I every, uh everyone making sure I'm safe, man. Yeah, but stretch out a little bit, man. Get cold. This is this is a nice little ride going down here.
3: <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the Georgia game and why Josiah Jordan James is suddenly so red hot?
0: Um, I think, man, being able to sit out when you're a veteran and watch the game and see where the team lacks Um there are things that you can bring to the game, you know, especially with him being able to be out, come back and know that. I think one thing that was lacking was the intent to go and shoot. You know, my guys, if it's not Santi or Zakai, the intent to have the I'm gonna go hunt my shot and I'm gonna take what the offense gives. Me. I mean, the defense gives me him getting those open looks like he hasn't been hesitant, and you can tell. He's been working on his shot, even though he's been out nursing the injury. His shot looks a lot more. As one of the biggest things. Having When you walk into. Not even other people's arenas, but when you go into SEC play, and Kentucky walks into your arena. I remember that feeling coming over me like, golly, man, we got Kentucky today. You know what I mean? Rollers, if they're good or not. You know what I mean? You're playing them at long wheel real- the tradition that goes with them. So it brings a calm, like the calm they brought to me was having Tony Harris, Vincent Yarbrough, Zill Victor, CJ Black, like all those guys would walk, there, walk through that door before me. So wasn't much expected of me. So I could just kind of sit back, relax, and be like, hey, let's go. You look at guys like Julian Phillips, Tyreek Key, um, uh, all these guys, Jonas, they do get more time, Tobey. Uh, <clears throat> you see these guys, when they're playing these scenes, going on the road and things of that nature, you need somebody calming. So size their calming force. You know what I'm saying? When you walk away from the bench, um, your role in a sense, even though he's had to sit out a game, you know, you need guys that have walked through that. And so that leadership role of just having that presence around, I think is a part that he brings to the game that was missing. A lot for the boss.
3: Ron, do you get a driver from ESPN or who's taking you down to Auburn?
0: No, I got, I got a cousin. I got a cousin pushing her. Pushing around, baby. We're rolling, baby. Gotcha. Gotcha.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I I, I worked for ESPN. I I had a, it sounds weird, but we were um, all picked up at the Hartford Airport to take to Bristol. And, um, Let's just say that was a big van, but I don't know that it—I <laughs> don't know that it was big enough for all the egos, Ron. It was. Uh, I'm not going to mention who was in that van, but it, was, it, it was exploding with egos. I just knew. It was there and it. Ron, yeah. Ron,
0: have
3: a great call, buddy. We we appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the tube tonight. And uh, keep it up. Really happy for you, and uh, thanks for being a part of
0: the show. Man, no doubt, man. I appreciate him. We get out here and rub elbows with Bruce and um push some put him around down here in Auburn when I get here. <laughs>
3: yeah, I don't know that he goes shirtless anymore. I saw a picture of him right
0: there. <laughs> I'm gonna challenge him. I'm challenging. Him. I'm I'm down eighteen pounds. I'm gonna take my shirt off immediately when I see him. And tell him, Let's reveal it, baby. You gotta show me something. Show me, <laughs> me something. I,
2: I, I would like to apologize to you for having to spend your first uh, SEC Network coverage game in Auburn. I've told Dave that's the worst SEC talent in the country. So <laughs> the worst town in the SEC. So just wanted to say that.
0: <laughs> hey, all good, man. I'm accepting all challenges right now. I, I would much rather be going here than Oxford. Just saying. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I said, um, I think Oxford's the better town.
0: <laughs> but I, I've never, I never experienced the Grove either, though. So I, I'm, I'm withholding my judgment for a while. Wow. Well, okay.
3: I'll just tell you this. This is before GPS. I got so lost trying to find my hotel in Auburn on some dark two-lane road in the middle of nowhere that I did pull over and cry for a second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: a true story. I was like, I just want to find this hotel where my pregnant wife is. And go to bed.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you made it out there. <laughs> it,
3: it could have gone either way. I felt like that banjo was playing in that
0: movie. <laughs>
3: be good, buddy. I appreciate you. All right, no doubt. Ron Slay. Uh, he'll be on the call for the SEC Network and ESPN. And no, that is. What was this on Deliverance? That's what I was afraid of. I. I mean. You don't know what it's like to be pitch black. It was a night game. By the way, Auburn Stadium, I know you don't like the city, but the the game atmosphere is way underrated. It's incredible. But you're out in the middle with no GPS and you don't know really honestly, you don't have a sun to tell you where east and west is and you're not I am sure there's a north star somewhere. I didn't know where I was headed.
2: Was this that 2003 Auburn game where like Casey Clawson was awesome <laughs> but Tennessee had no running game whatsoever? And they were, they, they were down and then they came back and almost won.
3: Yeah. You remember some games from my career better than I do. Yeah. I think that was the game. I just remember, uh, yeah, 2003. So my wife would have been pregnant. So I, uh, yeah, I remember she wanted to go on a road game with me. So we got a, a hotel room that had like the hot tub thing so she could relax. And, you know, this is, terrible cell phone service too so she didn't hear from me till like four hours after the game i walked in the door and i was like i finally made it and she was stunned that i was still alive (laughs) so i I should have been there by midnight um smoky mountain red said is it just me or does kelly remind you a lot of pat with her looks and mannerisms yes yes and yes doesn't remind me of her wins and success but Reminds me of her mannerisms.
2: To be fair, I mean, I'm look, I am I think Pat Summitt would have adapted, but Pat Summitt's coaching style, her whole focus on defense and rebounding is falling out of favor even in women's basketball. Now, even women's basketball starting to embrace the three-point shot a lot more. And, you know, I think what, one thing that's helped Kelly Harper, we'll talk about this tomorrow, is I love Tamara Key, but I think Harper had a, l- a hard time dealing with all of her post players and her length, and I think she's had to commit a, li- a little bit more to the outside game, and that's why Tennessee's on more of a role now.
3: Ron Slay, again, brought to you by Zach England of Best of Brock. Zach's got your be- back, Best Personal Injury Attorney in Chattanooga. And if you're looking for a fantastic vehicle, Files Automotive Group is right there in Callahan, the epicenter of car buying in Knoxville, North Knoxville, just a short drive from anywhere. And you can get the car you want with a great selection. and The service department's going to treat you fairly. They'll do that across the board. They want, they need, and they appreciate your business. I knew Ron had his his, uh, seatbelt on. I never doubted that. I just wondered if he had a driver all the way from Nashville to Auburn. That's when I was going to be like, man, our time of having Ron on might be coming to a close because he's getting ready to go big time. But I mean, Jay Billis isn't getting any younger. Caleb, he's he's not. If they need the next Cover college basketball from the top to bottom. There's no question in my mind that Ron Slade could do that. But I do love Jake Billis. I think he is, is very good. Um, all right, so coming up, uh, Todd Helton gets slided by the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And I've got a little bit of inside thoughts on that, um, knowing the family. And I, I do want to get to that. But, you know, I guess one last thing. Um, and we'll probably discuss it a little bit more. But just with Josh Heupel's contract, now, now consider this. So Josh Heupel, hit the like button if you're on board. It helps it open up to new viewers, and we appreciate that. And if you haven't subscribed already, do that. But the thing that I think is impressive, too, is that contract was up and done by January the 24th. So last I checked, you they just played, what, 23 days ago? So this thing was pretty much done. And when you consider that, when you, when you consider you have recruiting, you, you have the transfer portal, this thing had been worked on for a long, long time. And there was no question whether or not it was going to happen. That, to me, is, is pretty impressive. It shows a commitment, a dedication. You know what you've got. Why wait around? We've seen these things go south before in negotiations. You know, I could go on and on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, anywhere from Aaron Rodgers to Johnny Majors. So why let it even get to that point where it could be a quibble over what you and I would agree yeah, a million dollars. If you went eight or nine million dollars, it's just not a lot of money anymore. It sounds weird to regular Joes like you and me, but that's just not a lot.
2: It's also a big deal when it comes to recruiting. I've seen coaches flounder because athletic directors did not give them the extension they need. And Dave, you know, that's used in recruiting all the time.
3: And, oh,
0: yeah. You've so, got
3: to gotta have the five years on there. Now, sometimes the five years is incredibly transparent and you, you can buy them out for a lesser amount. That's actually what Shane Beamer's contract looked like. Not this last one, but the one before. They could get out of it. They didn't have a mega commitment to him because I think they had their question mark. I think they painted themselves in the corner with the wins against Clemson and Tennessee, quite frankly, into a bigger contract. But, yes, I mean, this contract, he's going to get a whole lot of cash if, for some reason, they want to get rid of him. Uh, no question about it. Guardian Investment Advisors, GIAPlantoday.com. Because we all can video teleconference now, you can get the very best uh, investment advisors in the biz. They'll show you where to put your money and why. They'll give you that type of service that is unprecedented. It is fantastic. That is GIAplantoday.com, Guardian Investment Advisors, and we will be back in exactly three minutes. Talk more about Josh Heupel's contract and uh, something has definitely upset via his Twitter feed, Caleb Calhoun, and I advise you to follow him. He is not happy about the Todd Helton situation, so we'll visit on that. And I think I can give a little bit of insight um, here just momentarily. Give me three minutes and I'll give you a fantastic segment talking balls after this.
4: Sun, sand, and saltwater the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts, ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center.
1: Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to the Vashti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
5: Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car.
2: It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across
1: the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers.
5: We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City
1: Heat and Air. Chad Chad we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finals for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down.
4: Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I wanna be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
3: so do you think the days of bruce pearl taking his shirt off and painting an orange are over with
2: i mean probably i mean like, like you know Who's role is sometimes to me like the ultimate midlife crisis head coach? Can I just say it? I mean, it's. I'm sorry. I hate. I hate to go there. Well, I mean, so. it may
3: be apt. I feel like I've gone through three midlife crises. Um. So yeah, I mean that that. Uh, maybe he's going. With, how old is he now? He's fifty five. Uh,
2: no, he's he's sixty one. I think because he, he really? Mean? Yeah, I think he's sixty one. Um, he was in his late. Remember, he got started. A little bit late because he was in division two for so long i think he was probably blackballed by some division one programs because of the whole dean thomas incident yeah Um, and you know which honestly that's probably why his not it wasn't a big scandal mike hamilton could have backed him but quite honestly it looked really bad when he was the one who put another program in trouble for something 30 20 years before
3: Well, he, but he lied to the university, he lied to the SEC and the NCAA, and that's, you're done.
2: Level of stupidity of what he lied about, too. If he just told the truth, it would have been no, it would have been the most minor violation.
3: Yeah. It's, it's almost always the cover up. It's the whole Nixon thing. It's the cover up is worse than the crime nine times out of 10.
2: Yeah. Bill Clinton. (laughs) I mean,
3: yeah. And I, I certainly don't want to go down a political road so I can go this way both presidents had uh, classified documents at their house and they looked more defensive than they should have. I mean, does nobody take work home. I know, you know, a lot more about politics than I do, but it just feels like, I mean, anyway. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with I, you. I have audio editing software. When I worked at a radio station, I had audio editing software on my computer so I could work from home. Technically that was owned by the, and I know it's different, but anyway.
2: No, I'm with you. I mean, it's like if you're like yes, politicians take classified documents home, They're, that's their work. Everybody takes work home.
3: <laughs> okay. So, um speaking of taking work home, um we we have a guy that uh never took his uh work back home east, and that's a guy Todd Helton who stayed with the Colorado Rockies and um We'll get into the reasons why maybe he didn't make the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. But my, how time flies. I can remember being outside of his um, room and there was a party and it was going on. And it was uh, so intense at the time that you couldn't get in. But I was standing right outside the room when he got the call on spring break that he was drafted by. Who originally drafted him out of high school? Padres?
2: Uh, I'm going to Wikipedia that now.
3: <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, I mean, he and I were never buddies or anything, um, but just everybody from North Knoxville was kind of partying in the same place. And uh, I wasn't good enough like him and Bubba Trammell to get into that Inskip group. If you're familiar with Knoxville, there was a crew of people that would – it was before traveling teams, but everybody would go from, be it Levi Field or wherever, and play at Inskip, And there were like three – at the same time, in the same year, in the same class, there were three guys that would go on to the major leagues. Uh, Bubba Trammell was one. Todd Helton was a, the other. I can't remember the third. But Let's start with this. The, and Not to belabor this point, but frankly, the steroid era has ruined who is selected into the Hall of Fame for me. Be it Todd Helton, yay or nay. Be it whoever, yay or nay. It used to be a big deal, but now we have this big gap and the discussion just kind of turns into should those guys be let in it's not the discussion about the players that get in or don't so to be honest with you that slipped by yesterday and i didn't see it until you brought it up and i saw it on your your twitter feed you have some pretty strong comments about why todd helton should be in the major league baseball hall of fame so so tell me why and then i think with some relationships, I can provide a little bit of insight as to maybe his thinking about not getting inducted or personal individual honors. So, uh, take off, Caleb.
2: So, Todd Helton has a 9.53 OPS, which is to me the most important hitting stat there is. It's on base plus slugging percentage, um, and that's the 23rd best OPS in baseball history. The top 100 career OPS players who had at least 9,000 at-bats are eligible for the Hall of Fame, so like not ones playing, obviously, and didn't have ties to steroids, have all gotten into the Hall of Fame except Todd Helton. It's And it's not like he's like 99 or 100. He's number 23. The 23rd best career OPS, that includes former players, players playing right now, and players tied to steroids. Okay, and that is ridiculous that he's not into the Hall of Fame. I think that him playing at Coors Field, I think, is being used against him. I think we know that there's a lot of pop flies that turn into home runs when you play in Denver. Fair enough. But Larry Walker's in the Hall of Fame and he did. He had his best years in Coors Field. So
3: and when I look at the two, I think that Todd Helton is a significantly better player. And I don't, know the num- I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I just, when I think of the two, I think Todd is significantly better.
2: Yeah, and the funny thing about that is Walker had a better couple of years, but overall Todd Helton was significantly better. The funny thing about Todd Helton is usually high OPSs are for power hitters um, because analytics and sabermetrics have shown that power outweighs hitting for average. You know, a Derek Jeter is never going to have a high OPS or some, you know, a, a guy that, hit, that plays for base hits. Todd Hilton was a guy who played for base hits, and he still had a ridiculously high OPS because he constantly got on base.
3: Beautiful, and... efficient, compact swing. I, I just, I mean, I thought he was he, he was fantastic. I do, I do think um, flat beer field helped some. I do think that playing in that atmosphere <laughs> helped some. I mean, if I want to drink a beer, it's going to be a good beer. I'm just going to tell you, it ain't going to be course. But anyway, um, here is a little bit of insight that I, could, I think I can provide. I think to a large extent, the individual awards, which would include the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, those decisions to not place a, a significant impact, importance on those was made years and years and years ago. So I, I knew Todd Helton's dad really well. Um, he we worked out at the same facility in in Knoxville. And you talk about, you know, winning the the gene pool. Here here was a guy, God rest his soul, that I think I saw him bench press um, maybe five times, but every time it was two twenty five for ten reps. I mean, most people have to work to get to that point. It was just God given ability, and. Um, that was obviously passed on to Todd. But the one thing I remember talking to Jerry Helton about, and he brought it up, I didn't bring it up, is when his contract was up, it's like he needs to make a push to get to the Yankees or at least a team on the East Coast that uh, gets uh, more pub because that's going to help him get more awards and those sorts of things. And at the time, I just kind of thought, yeah, playing for the Yankees was cool. But... I do think that at that point in his career, which what, what years did he did he play again, Caleb? It's
2: Like 97 to 2013, I think. So 17 years.
3: So this would have been about in the mid-2000s. He was up for a contract and he could have chose to go to... Have, the Yankees were slightly in play. I, everybody was in play. Todd Helton was one of the players at his peak that could go anywhere he wanted to and get a contract, unless they just had a first baseman that was very similar in place. So... That decision was made at the time by Todd not to go and pursue other opportunities because he was comfortable in Colorado. He has like a 400-acre, 4,000-acre, whatever it is, a lot of land out there. So while I agree with everything you said, and I think Major League Baseball is still it's still largely ruled when it comes to personal awards by Eastern voters, kind of like they said the AP was in college football years ago. I I don't know that it bothers Todd Helton all that much because of he was able to make a home in Colorado. Now he lives in Knoxville now, but I'm sure he still has that huge monstrous plot of land that makes you think of Yellowstone. So um, I think, I would think he would eventually get in. You would know better than I, Caleb. But I think he made that decision that personal awards weren't his thing, weren't his bag, probably 15 years ago. And I think you saw that yesterday when the selection was announced.
2: I could see that. I think we know that Todd Helton is the ultimate unselfish player. Um, I've heard stories, and we all know, you know, 1994, Peyton Manning and Brandon Stewart commit. And apparently the plan was to start Jerry Colquitt that year and Manning and Stewart redshirt and that Todd Helton be there only to help develop Manning and Stewart. And he was literally – he, of course, became thrust into the starting role for three games because Colquitt got hurt. Um, But Helton was there. He was playing as a backup backup quarterback on a football team to help younger quarterbacks come along. It was the ultimate unselfish type of move by him because he wasn't planning – he wasn't focusing on going to the NFL. He knew that baseball was his move and he was going to play base and he was playing baseball for Tennessee at the time. And it's hard to not have a ton of respect for a guy that would do something like that. Honestly.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm completely fine with it. Um, And I think he's probably fine with it now. It's a little bit, is it different now in major league baseball, much like the NBA? Cause used to be the NBA, you basically got, a five year opportunity to get in. And then if you didn't get in, you had to be in this veterans committee. I mean, what are his chances of getting in next year in the future?
2: Yeah. So I think that there's a, I can't remember if it's like you're on the ballot for five, seven or 10 years. Um, but the way baseball works is there's a number, there are people on the ballot and the voters can select 10 people. And whoever receives 75% of the votes gets in, but the voters can select up to 10 people. Only Scott Rowland got in yesterday. By the way, absolute joke. Scott Rowland is nowhere near Todd Helton's level. He's nowhere near Andrew Jones's level. I mean, it was just an embarrassment that he got in. But so the, there is a limitation. Here's the problem with what's happening. And you brought up the steroid era. There is a lack of consistency among the different voters. Voters disagree. That's healthy. That's fine. They disagree. Half the voters, maybe less than half, think that it shouldn't matter. Just throw it all out. You know, I mean, it shouldn't matter. Just look at the numbers and if they're in, they're in because it was part of an era. The other half are like, no steroid user should be involved in the Hall of Fame. Well, what you have is these players who have ties to steroids. Yesterday, you had A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, all steroid ties, all on the ballot. Well, voters are using their votes, some of them on these steroid users who aren't getting in the Hall of Fame because they're not getting enough votes to get into the Hall of Fame. So they're staying on the ballot which is taking votes away from other players who would be like Todd Hilton. This happened to Fred McGriff, who, by the way, got in. I think there was like some players veterans committee that put him in back in December.
3: Yeah. Um, I think it was like on his last leg or something. to get.
2: Yeah. In. Absolute travesty that he wasn't in on the first ballot. Twenty four ninety hits, 493 home runs. You know, before the steroid era, 400 home runs got you in the hall of fame. There wasn't yep. even a thought. And then they upped it to, no, it's gotta be 500 home runs. Because of how many people hit the 500 home run club during the steroid era. Well, Fred McGriff wasn't doing steroids and he hit 493 home runs. How are you going to say he doesn't belong? Well, he wasn't getting in because he was on the ballot with so many other steroid users. And there was a select group of voters that was saying, let's throw," That was saying, I'm going to vote for these steroid users because I don't think it should be um, a detriment to getting into the hall. That's fine. I don't mind if you don't think if you think that if you think that it shouldn't matter fine. The problem is there was a contingent that didn't believe that. So those players kept staying on the ballot every single year. And it was taking votes away from other players who would have gotten into the hall because nobody could agree on if they had, if those steroid users had gotten into the hall of fame on the first try, or if they were just not eligible for the ballot, that would have been better than what's happening, which is they're staying on the ballot every year. And that's causing problems.
3: Whether it's uh, baseball, football, basketball, and we've talked it all today, Big Orange Phillies in North Knoxville and Maynardville Pike is your home for fantastic sports entertainment. They've got the TVs, but they've also got cornhole and they've got uh, billiards. They've got darts if the game gets a little out of hand or a little bit boring or some Cowboys kickers missing like 15 extra points. Um, big Orange Phillies in North Knoxville, convenient to Maynardville, convenient to Halls and the Powell location. Travis saying, FYI, if you thumb your nose at awards, the powers that be will definitely penalize you for it. As absolutely true and probably more true in Major League Baseball than any other sport. So this just breaking moments ago, um, if you're listening live, but uh, certainly hit that like button if you're listening uh later in the day we're live every day at 10 a.m eastern time so Tennessee assigned athletic director Danny white to a new rolling six-year contract paying him 2.2 million dollars white is believed to be the highest paid SEC ad and top eight nationally he's overseen the department that's won six SEC titles in two years and had a record fundraising in 2021 2022. So, whose salary is more appropriate, two point two for Danny White or nine million for Josh Heupel? And your thoughts on this rolling contract that Danny White has received?
2: Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to go two point two for Danny White and say Danny White should be paid higher. Not that I don't think Josh Heupel is a great coach. Um, I think Danny White's less replaceable. I think Danny White is the best athletic director in the country, bar none. I think Tennessee. Hit a home run with Danny White and the hire of Danny White. Guys, you're going to see this in the future. I'm telling you, I said it yesterday. UCF, within 10 years, will be playing for a national championship because of what Danny White did there. And I think that they are going, they are an ahead of the curve athletics program. And you saw what he did at Buffalo. He's the best hirer. Is that a word? He's the best
3: (laughs) staffing agency.
2: Yes, he's the best at hiring in all of college athletics. Guys, look at his hires. They're insane. They have all worked out, every single one of them. And even if they haven't worked out at other places, they've worked out when Danny White's hired him, i.e. Scott Frost. Um, and I'm just saying Danny White knows the fit. I said it was a home run when Tennessee hired him. I didn't say it was a home run when he hired Josh Heupel. Um, but that was a home run. Turned out to be a massive home run. Um, but I've always been high on Danny White. I didn't even think he was in the running for athletic director um, in two years ago. Um, I thought they should have gotten um, the guy I wanted at the time or that I thought was best. What's his name, Dave? The one from Chattanooga back in the day, Dave Blackburn? Is
3: that his name? Yes, David Blackburn, who is now at MTSU.
2: Yes, I thought he was the best uh, candidate. I didn't even think Danny White was on the radar, and they they got him. And that's just – I'm telling you guys – For as long as Tennessee has Danny White, Tennessee is in great shape. That dude is an amazing athletic director. And, I mean, he is the best in the business, the most forward-thinking in the business right now.
3: Um, I thought David Whiteburn would get it, too, at the time. I didn't really know who Danny White was, and I thought for a second they hired the uh, Cowboys quarterback from the early 1980s. That's a different Danny White. Um, I I think in this – if, if I just look at it from the outside of looking in, I think that just based off a of business model, if $2.2 million is, is what the market bears for Danny White, then the, the market's not quite right. Because uh, Danny White is able to make a non-revenue sport like baseball at, at least uh, exciting and probably maybe close to breaking even. Um, I would think I, I don't know I haven't seen the numbers the the budget will come out but after what they did the budget comes out in the summer, the review budget um, but I would you know that's exciting and that was nothing for a long time. You're smart enough to keep Rick Barnes. Uh, some of the other hires that he has made have, have been fantastic. so I mean I think I mean it's 2.2 for Uh, Danny White is an absolute deal. And, you know, coincidentally, I was working on another project. So who he's these are the hires he's made. Danny White has hired uh, Josh Heupel, of course. He's hired uh, Diana Kentu, uh, women's golf. That was uh, June the 8th, 2021. Soccer, Joe Kurt. uh, That was in April of 2022. Track and field, Dwayne Ross. May 24th, uh, 2022 and cross country, Sean Carlson, uh, June of 2022. So a lot of these guys are still guys and gals are still early and it's a little bit early to judge them. But I, I, if you can have somebody head up an athletic department with that move, many moving parts, I mean, and it's $2.2 million. I've been obsessed recently with the crash of 2008, the real estate crash. And th- those guys that were heading up, that were CEOs of mega companies, much like an athletic department is nowadays in the SEC, we're making forty and fifty million. Caleb, and I know it's all according to scale and where you slot on an itemized budget, but the bottom line is, you get that type of production for two point two million dollars. Kick him up to three. I mean, well, I mean, t- I mean to me, it's it's the steal of a century.
2: I agree. It, I mean, it's it's. We're underrating how much athletic directors, ha- how much of a role they have, not just in the hires, but in the success the program has.
3: Navigating IL too. Ex- oh, that's huge. You're right.
2: I mean, Dave, how often is how often is a coach an average to above average coach, maybe, but has a run of success because they had a great administrative, great administrative support behind them? Um, you know, you said, you, you told me yourself that in the 90s, Fulmer's, like legacy of recruiting, that was because Tennessee was ahead of the curve in recruiting, wasn't it? The administration had recruiting tactics that were much were ahead of the rest of the SEC at the time that allowed they, them to go national.
3: They scheduled at a higher level. They had those preseason games, if you remember those. They played Colorado one year. They were on TV a lot, and that wasn't just an SEC thing. That was Tennessee getting themselves on TV. Their facilities were ahead. So, yes, no, I think the... And on the flip side of that, you know, we're talking about Doug Dickey at the time. Doug Dickey didn't give two you-know-whats about basketball, and it showed. So, yes, I mean, it, I think it, it proves our point doubly in that $2.2 million for a guy that can head up everything and provide your football program with exactly what it needs to be in an elite level. What more do you want? I mean, that is... I didn't think about him being uh, best in the in the in the nation, but uh you said that, and he's paid accordingly, so he's thought to be top eight nationally and top in the SEC. I got zero problem with that. Does anybody remember january 2021 when he was hired? That was bad news, Caleb. There was nothing good going on then nothing, nothing.
2: And I said, did though. And this is uh, um, when Tennessee hired Danny White, I thought they basically made the program saving move hiring, hiring him. You had to make a splash for athletic director. Because let's look at their previous hires. You know, Mike Hamilton was the AD in waiting, right? From Doug Dickey. He was the guy that he was going to take over for Doug Dickey. And Mike Hamilton made one good hire in Bruce Pearl. Every hire after that was a total disaster um, to the point where you've talked about it. He didn't really even have control in the Derek Dooley hire, did he? And who? Mike Hamilton.
3: Um, no, I think that was I think that was I can remember where I was on a Friday afternoon when I was um, I told he got the job and they still had yet to interview. Oh, forgive me. I can't remember his name. He was an assistant on. Kippy the, Brown. Yeah, Kippy Brown. And I spoke to somebody in Kippy Brown's family. And I said, well, are you upset? And he said, no, no, everything's good. We're getting ready to do the interview. You still got a shot. And I was like, no, he doesn't.
2: Yeah, that was
3: that was horrible. Yeah. And it was it was basically taken out of Mike Hamilton's Hamilton's hands in the course of about 12 hours. And when it was done, it was done. And and he knew that if he couldn't make decisions like that, he might as well eventually go. And he did.
2: Well, and this is why I've defended and at least they're letting Danny White run the show. But this is why, as I've gotten older, I've defended Johnny Majors in the past for his public war wars with the boosters at Tennessee. Tennessee's got some really incompetent boosters, and it's almost like Game of Thrones and a power struggle between the boosters who want control of the program. I mean, let's not even get started on the way the Haslams have just completely, you know, have 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 had the program in the thumb of their hand. And look at how they run the look at how Jimmy runs the Cleveland Browns. But
3: (laughs) but I I I like Big Jim's role um, back in the '80s and '90s. You know, he just kind of wrote the checks and let things go. I think it's good that Jimmy Haslam has the Browns so that he stays away from Tennessee.
2: Oh, I agree. I agree. And we don't even need to get into Jimmy Haslam's own issues running his own business that his dad created for him to run that got in a lot of trouble uh, before Warren Buffett saved him.
3: Yeah. But, I mean, other than ripping off uh, minority convenience store owners, he was a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, he was a fantastic individual. I can I can tell you that I listened <clears throat> to those Uh, those tapes, those FBI tapes. And there were some people, one of which may have been a daughter of a former Tennessee basketball coach. But there were some people skimming 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 was the top one. They were skimming that a month off of the rebates. A month.
5: Not a year.
3: You thought I was going to say a year, didn't you? Yes. A month. 20,000 was... One got to 60, and maybe her dad was a basketball coach at Tennessee. One got to 60, and that's what raised the red flag.
2: You know, process of elimination, it's not going to be hard to figure out who you're talking about. No.
3: And maybe we have mentioned (laughs) him on this show today, possibly. Maybe he painted his chest. Well, so that's.
2: Let's not forget it. He still managed to drive the company $4 billion into debt while running that scam
3: so yeah uh portions of the program brought to you by city heating and air conditioning city heat and air.com integrity matters it's getting close to that point where your unit is going to either be under stress from cold or the upcoming spring know that with city heating and air conditioning uh, we're very proud to be associated with them that they will give you the absolute right recommendation. They'll fix your unit. And they're not just going to say, Hey, you need a whole new unit just so they can make a few more bucks. That's not the way city rolls city heating and air conditioning city, heat for Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of off Dog sports,
1: lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess, Aha, in my dentist's office,